listening to the last dance podcast with myself elijah i'm speaking to my good friend dino one of the people that gave me an opportunity in clubland back in 2010 when i was first starting out that was at a spot called the alibi now he has a space called five miles a club bar and brewery we talk about why clubbing is so important working in clubland and why young promoters should be keeping an eye out for unusual spaces himself the alibi five miles how many other things a few i forget (laughs) um let's start at the beginning as we always do in these kind of situations Mm -hmm. um how did you kind of get into not just getting into putting on nights but Mm -hmm. actually going to them what are your first kind of experiences when i was 18 19 uh i worked at my aunt and uncle's vintage clothes shop um, it was in a few different locations. They moved once or twice, but I met these two guys uh, who were kind of getting into punk stuff, and I had just kind of discovered grime. Um, you know, I'd always been into into rap music, but you know, al- you know, always like I said, I liked Garage. You know, when I was at school, it was the kind of the tail end of um, you know the sort of more fire, so solid thing. So, you know, I was kind of getting into sort of more. Uh, I guess uh, MC uh, focused stuff. Um, so yeah, I was kind of sort of saying, oh, you know, no one takes me seriously for liking this stuff. And they were saying, oh, well, no one takes us seriously for liking punk music. So we started a, a collective called Teens of Thailand. We had a, a huge night at the Old Blue Last that Vice had just bought. I was like 19. Um, we had a good run, we could not DJ. That was kind of part of our shtick. We'd play a song <laughs> for like a, a minute and a half and then dash it into the next one. And it would, you know, we'd play everything. And this is like, you know, I remember this is like early sort of like scream was happening. One of the guys that was in the collective used to manage uh, Plastic People. So uh, I used to go there. I, I worked at American Apparel down the street. Uh, so Street Rivington. What's, what's it called again? Curtain Road. Curtain Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we used to, on my lunch break, I used to go and go into Plastic and play music which probably never got played on that sound system so i'd like you know i'd put on some like some doom metal stuff just to sort of hear what that sounded like an amazing system anyway once teens in thailand disbanded i kind of set up real gold and the idea was was a lot of what was happening around that time uh was a night would you know you, you could have a successful club night by just doing like a myspace bulletin wow you didn't you didn't so this was like 2005 kind of this is 2005 early 2006 and it was you you didn't even need artwork you basically just kind of it was a little bit like that kind of garage thing of like 
text this number. You know, there's something happening at this time, this place, like come to this thing, which I really, really liked. But for me, you know, maybe it was arrogance, I don't know, but I thought that what we were all doing was something quite special and that there needed to be some sort of physical evidence for it. So with Real Gold, the, the, the whole kind of idea behind it was, you know, let's, let's make something kind of permanent. So let's make sure that, you know, even if we're just DJing in a pub function room, let's make a flyer and let's make it wicked. Um, you know, if we're gonna put a t-shirt out, let's uh, get proper labels made and let's photograph them properly. And just kind of, you know, being precious about the stuff that you were doing. Yeah, even like having uh, catalog numbers like Factory Records or something. Exactly, I mean, I was like, a, a big fan of Factory and I wanted there to be this kind of like notion, you know, it kind of got, I, 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 we almost kind of got a, a bit ahead of ourselves and we were going to like catalog number or like mail outs and <laughs> the emails we were going to send out. But that kind of seemed like a bit of a sort of nightmare um, to kind of manage. So yeah, we just kind of wanted to have this approach that like, you know, everything kind of had some value to it. So we kind of catalogued everything um, and made sure we kind of did things quote unquote properly. Yeah. And of those kind of early nights and things that were happening, mm. like let's like kind of discount the people that were actually playing. The people that were in there, as you mentioned before, were seemed like a a mixture of, okay, people off MySpace, but then people that went on to create stuff. Like how did that kind of circle even form? Like of people that were just doing stuff like how, I don't know. I mean, th there was definitely something that I kind of borrowed from, you know, the, the years I spent, you know, completely obsessed with hardcore punk and all that stuff was this kind of DIY mentality. And I think that it was just really, um, it was, you know, an ethos that was kind of shared in, in uh, a lot of the people that were around in those days for some reason. Just this kind of thing of like, oh, well, you know, you can't start your own label. You know, you have to have a subsidiary of, a major or you know one of the big indies and I think a lot of the people that were around that time were just like well, why not there was a kind of thing happening around that time in London where it was like the kind of big clubs wouldn't really fuck with us really and by us I mean real gold young Turks like all the people that were kind of like you know in the early stages of you know building little brands in, in London what were they putting on in their nights at that time uh, I mean, I, I mean, you know, places like, do you, you mean Young Turks or, or no, the bigger like places? No, the bigger places. I mean, genre-specific, you know, club, club, club yeah. stuff. So it'd be like house music or dubstep yeah, or... exactly. Electro and or something. And our whole thing was, was, you know, in hindsight, it was that really, we kind of really weren't sort of welcome in those spaces, really. And a lot of the music we were playing definitely wasn't welcome. Um, so I think that we, you know... There's this, this kind of like spirit, I think, amongst a lot of the people that, that, that I'm talking about, where we were just like, okay, well, where could we do something? So it was, you know, pubs with late licenses, one of which was, was the Macbeth. Um, a friend of a friend had bought it, um, and they were looking for someone to sort of, you know, put on some live music. And I sort of said, I'm not really, I'm not, too, you know, I'm, I'm not too hot on live music stuff, but, you know, if you, you know, buy some decks, like I'm pretty sure I can fill it full of people. So we started doing stuff at the Macbeth 
and we did a first one. Um, we did an, a, a night called uh, New Kids on the Yacht, and it was all like uh, yacht rock music because at the time, you know, we just couldn't get enough like Steely Dan and Fleetwood Mac and stuff like that. So we wow. did we did a, a fun thing on a Sunday, yeah. uh, a bank holiday Sunday. And you know they they made so much money the guys at Macbeth and they and basically I, I built a really good relationship with Mark and Mark who who owns the pub, um, and you know I think a lot of it was they saw me and they saw pound signs, but they they did basically sort of say look you know there's only a, there's a limit to what we can do in a pub that closes at one thirty, mm. you know one day we should help you get a space, and I put on a a a, a club night called Cough Call. It was at this place called Pier One Night Spot in Dalston. Pure, you know, kind of continuing on that sort of idea of like, you know, who let who will let us in? Um, could we, you know, the 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 places in Shoreditch were wouldn't really sort of mess with us too much. So down the street in Dalston, you know, Pier One Night Spot. It was a sort of dancehall club on Friday and Saturday, but they rarely opened on Thursday. So I sort of said, let me have my Thursdays there. Uh, and it kind of worked. I mean, it was, you know, maybe more unsuccessful than successful, ultimately, because um, we didn't continue. But uh, as a joke, my friend forwarded me a for sale uh, advert for Pier 1 and was like, hey, look, you know, no hard feelings that your night didn't work. It looks like the club didn't work. <laughs> um, and I forwarded that to Mark and Mark from Macbeth. And I just sort of said, remember you said this thing like two years ago. I've got a feeling about this space. Um, and they said, okay. Wow. So we, and this is at what, like how old are you at this point? I'm 23. 23. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I, I think when I sent them the off, when I sent them the advert thing, I might have been the end of 22. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just turned 23, uh, sent them this thing and they were like, cool, we'll, we'll put an offer in. They did. Um, it was accepted. Um, I got my uh, my friend who was a lawyer to, you know, uh, try and help me write a like a contract that yeah. I could get with them because I was like I knew that there had to be some sort of paperwork. Um, I mean, I, I'd really dread to look at this piece of paper now. <laughs> I don't. Th might I think he might favorite. have written it on like a napkin or something. <laughs> I don't know, but but it basically sort of you know it was basically like I'm going to do this club with you like don't screw me over please yeah um <laughs> so yeah we yeah. you know and, and and really it was a continuation of this idea of like you know a lot me and a lot of my friends you know we weren't part of club culture really you know we weren't sort of uh, regulars at any of the sort of like the bigger sort of nightclub spaces um most we of which are closed now as well. Most so. of which are closed, yeah. yeah. So we were, we wanted to open a space which was uh, free to get in, um, had pub prices, had a genreless kind of approach to, to music, um, and was open later than a pub was. Um, so. I kind of pitched this idea of, of doing that in Dalston. You know, I had a feeling that, you know, um, we could 
it was close enough to Shoreditch that we could maybe drag a few of those people. But also a lot of my friends, you know, they were sort of living around there. Um, so yeah, and then we opened the Alibi March 2010. When, how long did it take to get rid of all the dust in, <laughs> in the I in think the club? it's still there. <laughs> I mean, because I, I remember like coming there for the first, I don't know, times, just, I think there was like decks on a like wooden table. Yeah, yeah it was on, it was on a door. A door, that was always, yeah. <laughs> and then it was like dust. Would that even like be allowed now? Was it allowed then, like in terms of like health and safety and all that kind of stuff? Was it like a different times in terms of regulation to, to kind of, get something like that off the ground put it this way i think if we opened in soho yeah or in shoreditch no but we kind of opened and the police and the council kind of weren't ready for the sort of explosion of dalston really you know D dalston has been a, like an amazing space for for years it's been an, um, you know a, a, a just it's dalston just got it's just got so much great history um but as far as kind of quote unquote Dawson 2.0 with like us and Dawson Superstore and The Nest. Um, I think we kind of, we, we, you know, uh, the the council and the police were kind of take, taken by surprise. And by the time they realized what was happening, we'd gotten rid of the door as the DJ deck table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, replaced it properly and had proper working toilets and, you know, no smoking signs and stuff. Yeah. Could we do that today? Uh, God, well, when we opened Five Miles, it was a little bit shaky. But uh, no, it's a different climate now. I think, you know, it's, it's been well documented, but, you know, a, a lot of uh, places that are kind of focused around sort of nighttime, nighttime economy, are under sort of huge amount of pressure, huge amount of scrutiny. So I wouldn't dare do that again now no. yeah but in 2010 just about got away with it so uh th this is one of the questions i was kind of asking around this whole project uh, like a 23 to 30 year old how difficult is it for them to open a club um mm, good question uh really difficult i mean it, it was really difficult for me and i've you know i'm i'm privileged you know i found two people to bankroll me, you know, I'm white. Um, you know, there's, I had a, 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 a head start, you know? So it's a difficult one to, to answer, but I'd say that if I found it hard, I think a lot of other people would find it even harder, you know? And especially even on a sort of like a, on a business level, uh, just the rent you have to pay now. I mean, I can't see, I mean, the Alibi just about works now, just about. Um, and our rent is minuscule because I don't think our landlord, I don't know, I think he either hasn't paid attention to rent increases or something, you know, I hope he's not listening. Um, <laughs> I just don't, you know, I, I think that there's, I can't understand how someone could do something like, uh, the alibi now where people maybe have realized what they can charge for rent um it's not impossible i think it's really important that people give it a go yeah why is nightlife important because even just making a statement to some people 
that's not enough of a, a hook. Like mm. nightlife, nightlife is important, but why is it important to you and to you know the people that you've worked with and you know the things that you've been involved in? Like why why is that important to you? Especially like n- later on in life after doing it for ten years, you mm. might think I don't want to do this anymore. Or this this is not as valuable as it yeah. once was. Or do you mean these constraints could lead you away from that that kind of f- feeling? You know. Well, I mean, all I can say is, you know, why it's important to me. Um, I just, I just think that 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 good things kind of happen, uh, you know, after a lot of people, a lot of normal people go to bed. You know, uh, you know, it, it might sound really sort of stupid or soppy, but you know, some of the best conversations I've had have been late. You know, have been you know in that one restaurant that's open at four in the morning. You know, or it's, I mean, you know, I met my, my wife at the alibi. Wow. You know, I, I've, you know, started some, you know, uh, through doing what I do, which is kind of centered around sort of nightlife, you know, I've made, you know, my best friends, you know, t- to me, those things wouldn't have happened if I was someone that kind of, I don't know, just did video content in the daytime and then went to bed early. Um, yeah, you know, maybe I could do something which kind of like, you know, pushes, uh, you know, music culture in this way or that way. And, you know, it could be, you know, important and relevant. But, I mean, I've got very uh, definitive evidence that nightlife has been good for me, you know, Mm. in terms of, yeah, meeting my wife. and So it's like a very physical aspect for you like to start yeah conceptual one, like and and to me it's like well you know it's just part of i think it's just part of my nature that like i know that that john smith off the street i know that he thinks that after 10 p.m it's just like drug addicts and you know uh people that should have asbos and you know loud music and you know it's it's those are things that you know you shouldn't be kind of fighting for you should be fighting against um and on the whole, I, you know, I don't like John Smith on the street, you know, uh, and I think that I want to, you know, do everything that I can to kind of like make sure people know that, you know, yeah, the, that these spaces existing are important. Of course, I'm biased because you know it helps <laughs> me, helps me pay my rent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, just even things like you know, it, the small chance that someone had, had done a night at five miles and it's encouraged them to sort of do something more or do it in another city and i just think that um opportunities present themselves if you kind of put yourself out there um and i think a a good way of putting yourself out there is yeah putting a night on or i don't know uh working in a bar or yeah, it's like a good like for a first creative endeavor. Like for it's like Absolutely. someone's first exhibition is a club night, really. Absolutely. Like the easiest kind of low entry, low kind of barrier to entry thing to get into is like okay, a club night, and then you know maybe whatever five six years down the line, you're putting on a concert or absolutely uh, exhibition. Or you're totally right. And making an album or whatever. People will put on their first club night, no matter what. We did it, you know, and. I don't think that there'd be any less club nights, particularly if if the Alibi closed. I mean, I'll, g- I'll give you a really good example, like the the Bala Club guys. I remember like being like 
this is 2000 and I forget what year it, it was, but I was kind of moaning that about there kind of weren't any new kind of club nights starting. And then at the time I was kind of, um, Ben Freeman, who I set up Future Artifacts with, uh, I was in his office and, you know, he had this sort of like 20 year old guy working there and I was kind of overheard me. And he was like, well, I'm off to Ballet Club this weekend, which is in like a Chinese restaurant function room. <laughs> somewhere in Lewisham or something. And it just, it just dawned on me that actually it's just that I'm not invited. Yeah. And they'll always like, I think there's always going to be this kind of perpetual nature of like, you know, people kind of want to sort of go and experiment, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's musically, um, artistically, uh, as a promoter, as a punter, you kind of want to always sort of go and check out new things and new spaces and sort of see where you kind of fit in and, if you know the alibi has been part of that conversation i suppose but if, even if we didn't exist there's still going to be a club night somewhere in some place where the owner could maybe sort of do with 100 quid higher um that'll always that'll always continue but i think as far as kind of like maybe sort of properly kind of presented spaces you know that they, they have their own you know importance too yeah and this is what you're kind of bringing forward with like five miles like what mm. kind of led you to the decision of starting like a new venture and a new kind of you know having the different layers of a brewery and you know food and all this all these kind of elements and up here in in tottenham or some sisters yeah there was kind of less it, it was less risky for us so whereas you know um maybe the alibi we kind of had uh, the risk of maybe people wouldn't travel there or, or whatever, um, and the the sheer amount of sort of building work we had to do. Uh, with five miles, we kind of met with the council, and they were really warm to the to the idea of there being like a late night space. Um, we uh, did a lot of research into how to make an amazing sounding room, and that wasn't going to cost like two million quid. Um, but it's about being brave enough to put things out in the universe you know we've kind of got this opportunity now where somehow we're convincing 500 people to come here on a friday and saturday wow um and you know we're in in an industrial estate in seven sisters do you think like the biggest kind of like competitors of like yours in theory is just people that stay in like the you know nightlife's competitors are are not each other like a, re a restaurant isn't competing with five miles and five miles isn't competing with fabric that is it's really it's just like it. xbox <laughs> like and like netflix you're it's right. like your biggest kind and of i suppose that's why i'm such a sort of like champion of of nightlife in general because it's anything that isn't nightlife is competition yeah. like you said i mean for for me that was kind of why you know i'm over it now but when boiler room first kind of blew up i was a little bit like is this healthy for what i do yeah is it healthy that you can kind of uh, engage in kind of club culture from home or from your mobile. Ultimately, I think it's done done way more good than bad. Um, but yeah, I suppose I suppose you're right. You know, it's, you know, I guess it's kind of if there's things that kind of pop up in your industry, sort of either sort of try and find your place with it, or find work out a way that it can kind of coexist. Really, yeah. and you know. Um, I think the bo the boiler room is a good example because like the things that you said that you got out of nightlife, you couldn't get out of boiler room. So mm. you couldn't 
meet your wife watching Boiler Room. Yeah, yeah. I saw she left a wicked comment, so I like <laughs> uh, her profile pic looked wicked. So I, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, it's it's possible. I guess it's you know for, for me, um, I'm yeah, I'm 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 fan. I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of experiencing things in the physical. I guess. Like so, it's kind of close. What kind of case can we make as a industry or as mm. people to to government to like kind of support? and invest further into like kind of what we're doing at the grassroots. If you kind of give opportunities to people, like I think good things can come out of it. Um, and yeah, we, we, you know, we, we want to be like a 24 hour city that closes at midnight and it doesn't make, doesn't make any sense to me. You know, we've kind of got these 24 hour tube lines now where you can't go anywhere. <laughs> and you're on one. Yeah. And we're on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just kind of feel like we, you know, it, we, it, it, we, we kind of, it, especially in London, we kind of project this idea that like we're like a 24 hour major city, you know, to be mentioned in the same breath as New York and places like that. And I just think we kind of need to, need to do more to uh, actually prove that. Dino and Five Miles, check out Five Miles London. This podcast is part of the Last Dance program I'm running as Associate Artistic Director at Lighthouse. Go to lighthouse.org.uk to find out more or find us on social media at Lighthouse Arts. Last Dance is supported and funded through the Arts Council's Changemaker Scheme. The Last Dance podcast was produced by myself, Elijah, Jamila Prouse, and the team at Story Things. If you've enjoyed it, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to subscribe. Subscribe is the worst word in the history of mankind.